What's up, everybody? It is Casey with Two Worlds Podcast, and with me, as always, is the build my ted It's Jake. Hey, what's up, everybody? So, am I Keanu Reeves or not? Uh, I am Keanu Reeves. I'm pretty sure because I, I haven't oh, seen I haven't damn. seen them in forever, but I'm pretty sure Ted is Keanu. Okay, and and the other guy is is the the one that like beat up Madonna when they were married, right? <laughs> Dude, I didn't know didn't know he was ever married to Madonna. So I, your guess is as good Who, as mine. What's the actor? Who's the other one? Oh, dude, you shouldn't ask because I knew it, but now I I don't. And it's Sean Penn, right? No, not Sean Penn. <laughs> just I'm just, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Oh, okay. I was like, dude, <laughs> dude. I know, I know. You were just so appalled. It's fine. I'm just, I'm just being weird today. I, I hope everyone's having a great day. It's, it's okay. a fantastic, beautiful Labor Day, and you know, are, are you just, are you ready to give a great podcast? I am. We, we actually have a co-host today that might come on. My, my wonderful oh. dog Hallie. She's sleeping right now, but she might wake up at any moment and start barking. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. She, I don't think she's ever barked. It was always Dahlia that screams like she's uh, being murdered. Well, <laughs> anyway, how about we get into some news? All right. So my first thing in news, this kind of happened early on in the week last week. Um, Tristan Jones, he's an he's an artist who has worked for NECA and Dark Horse Comics doing Xenomorph stuff, was... Uh, accusing Greg Land of tracing his work, and and if you don't like, if like this is not the first time Greg Land has been accused of this, so that like is a knock against him right off the bat. But I was looking at it, and I was like, they look similar, but how different can you make a xenomorph look? You know, because I don't know anything about art, so I'm not gonna be like oh, off with his head right off the bat. But then like two different artists who I respect a lot and I know a lot about excuse me were like very much against Greg Land on this it was a Greg Capula and Ben Templesmith they both like they're two people that I would be like oh yeah they know what they're talking about and if they think that he traces stuff then I kind of have to just be like well as someone that doesn't know anything about art Greg Land probably traced his stuff right that is unfortunate. He, you know, I've heard several people get outed for tracing, and it doesn't ever seem to affect them like getting more work. Yeah, which is strange. I mean, I, I really think with the comic book industry, with the way things have kind of shown, it's just it really just boils down to who you know. Like you can get away with the different stuff if you know the right people. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's fair. And, and what really sucks though is. Uh, Tristan Jones, when he was talking about it, he's like, he's like, I have to go back to my day job. I'm not like Greg Land. I have to have a day job so I can keep doing this art stuff, which just makes it so much worse that Marvel didn't contact him to do this and they just had Greg Land do it. Right. I agree. That's a shame. Um, my first thing... Former Activision and Blizzard esports executive Daniel Cherry has been named senior vice president and general manager of DC. So, 
I mean, we've been talking about the the old DC shakeup for a couple weeks now, but but now some of the higher ups are are getting moved around and replaced, and I feel like that was that was one of the bigger ones that we've heard of so far. Yeah, I I like the fact that his initials are DC. I know that's not like gonna make you know make for sure like it'd be good, but at the same time, I'm like, let's hope. Um, <laughs> now. Do you know anything about, like, because I know you know a lot more about video games than me, like, the Activision stuff. Like, was he good there? Or do you have any clue? I, I did a little bit of research, and like with just about anything, there was fans of him and people that hated him. So, gotcha. you know, it's just, it depends on your point of view. I, you know, Blizzard is one of the most successful companies like gaming companies in history. So who, who's to say if he did a good or bad job, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I don't know, but now it's like, I, you know, it makes me wonder about Jim Lee's position. Like, is he, is he going to have a higher position at all? Like pretty soon? Or um, is he just going to be an artist? Yeah. I was reading that he does like, they're going to just make him focus on creative stuff, which I don't know if that's going to really be the best or the, you know, it, I mean, it, it can't be any worse than what he is doing now with, you know, anything business related. And since this is all creative related, it should, it might be good. Let's hope. Uh, right. I mean, as long as he's not in charge of making, you know, character designs for things, I'll be fine with it. Right. Yeah, I don't really know how I feel about it either. I love his art. I think he's incredible, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, when he was co-publisher with Dan Didio, it's like, who's to say who was who was making some of those decisions? And it kind of sounds like it was more Dan Didio. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. He's... He's done good things in the past, so let's just hope mm-hmm. it was all Dan Didio. Because Dan Didio, when he would, you know, talk about things like wanting to kill Dick Grayson all the time and that, you know, trying to be more like Marvel and just killing characters all the time, it isn't isn't a good way of doing things. So, yeah, hopefully, like, hopefully that stops and this cherry dude is very cherry with the things he does and everything's good. Agreed. So my next bit, this is some bad news, but uh, the Batman production has been halted because Robert Pattinson has tested positive for the COVID. So apparently, you know, they didn't update Batman's mask as we saw in the trailers to cover his mouth and... You got it that way. Well, that's unfortunate. Hopefully he, you know, makes a quick recovery and they can get back at it. Yeah, he should be fine. Should's the the key word. (laughs) All right. So... James Tinian was talking about, or Tynan, however you say it, was talking about a new character he's introducing called Ghostmaker. And 
he's claiming that Ghostmaker will be Batman's new oldest rival. So he uh, is going to have a brief cameo appearance at the end of Batman 100 and then enter the story in earnest in Batman 102. Um, and they they posted uh, like some concept art done by Jorge Jimenez, so obviously he looks cool. It's just one of those things where it's like, why, why do we keep changing who his oldest villain is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, they, they did it with Court of Owls, and Court of Owls, I feel like it worked for the most part. But, you know, we're like 75, 80 years into, into the character now. It's like, we, we need to stop doing the whole, well, actually, this person was before these others. Yeah. In my humble opinion. It'd be funny, though, if it was just, like, a baby that was next to Bruce Wayne in the, uh, you know, hospital when they were born, and, like, that baby was a jerk baby. And then that's, like, this is his truest enemy, because it's been there since the beginning. (laughs) Since they were minutes old. I read another thing, though, where... I guess Tynan originally wasn't going to include Clown Hunter into uh, Joker War. He was actually going to wait till after it was over. But hmm. he said that with the like the positive punchline uh, introduction and everything, he was like, "Well, I mean, I can work him into the story, and I think it'll it'll work." And so far, I'll agree. I think Clown Hunter is pretty cool. So. Yeah. I'm hoping that the ghost maker, you know, will turn out to, to be pretty cool too. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm like you though. I don't really care about the, you know, retconning stuff. I think that's just to kind of fit their new character. It's like, you know, it's what would show your skill as a writer is just making what you want to do work without having to be like, this is what I want to do. And I'm changing the history of the comics. That always annoys me. Yeah. But I and like you were talking about the clown hunter thing. I think it's kind of crazy because it's like, how else? How else were you gonna work this character in? The guy that kills the you know kills the clowns. Like the Joker was the perfect way of putting him in. How how else would you do that? I'm genuinely curious. Well, that makes me wonder then about the aftermath of Joker War. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Is something big going to happen with, like, Harley or Punchline, maybe? Or is there going to be just, like, a follow-up Joker thing? Who knows what his original plans were? Yeah. But now that he's working him in, <laughs> now now it's even more of a question because <laughs> it, it could have changed completely once he decided to add Clown Hunter in now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Comixology, in honor of uh, Chadwick Boseman, is giving away Black Panther comics. So, it's all of them. Like, it, the way it works, though, is you don't you can't do trades, but, like, just, you know, every issue of a run. So, like, I'm going to probably try to get on this and get some of that, the Priest stuff, because I hear that's amazing. And if you're a listener and you're like, I'm really interested in trying this out, too... While they're free, try out the Derda, uh, Black Panther Man Without Fear by David Liss and Francisco Frankabilia. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, do you have any recommendations besides those? <laughs> no. Um, Black Panther, the the Man Without Fear run is so good. Like mm-hmm. you you made me read that several years ago, and I'm so glad you did. It was awesome. Um, and I've not read the priest stuff, but I respect him as a writer, and I'm sure that it's very good. But I I really haven't read much Black Panther at all if he wasn't involved in like a team or whatever so unfortunately I I can't give an honest recommendation yeah same here I mean it's it's always he's never like I don't think when I was going because I know I would have picked it up if it was at Walden Books ever whenever I was like a kid and picking up comics that way and then he's not had like a steady book since I was you know collecting at a comic shop and then when he had that book for a little bit I opened up the first page and it's like him dealing with like Wakandan politics. And I was just like, I don't even care that much about U.S. politics. I'm not going to care about this fake country's political (laughs) climate right now. So, yeah. yeah. But the man without fear, you don't deal with any of that. You deal with him on the streets fighting people. And like he doesn't have any of his Wakandan technology, so he has to use his mind and he, like, there's a part where he goes to a hardware store to make, you know, weapons, basically. He has, like, you know, he's so smart that he's able to do that. And it's awesome. I agree. All right, next thing I had is, so an Ontario comic book shop was going to have Jason Fabok at their store to do a signing. And... Jason Fabok's rules is that he was going to sign any two items for free, and then after that, $10 an item, which nowadays, the past couple of years, is pretty standard for most creators. Um, but then Fabok found out that the comic shop was actually charging people $50 per item and then pocketing the difference. Wow. And if you can imagine... Jason Fabok was not happy about that. So he did like an Instagram live thing and he, he was like, it's not fair to you guys if I don't do the signing. So like, I'm going to do the signing and then, you know, anybody that has paid that $50 and like, can't get it back or whatever, I will stay until I sign the books that you need signed to, to make up for that. So good on Jason Fabok. Mm-hmm. Shame on that Ontario comic book shop. And hopefully not many fans got screwed. But, like, Jason Fabok's a pretty big name. I'm sure that, like, people bought that and, like, are going to travel and stuff, you know, to, to get stuff signed. So... Yeah. I don't know. Hope, hopefully the fans come out on top here. And yeah, I don't know. Just such a crappy thing to do. Yeah. It's nonsense like that that kind of makes comic book stores go closed, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's ridiculous. Um, and then I just had one more thing. We've talked about this for several weeks now. Um, Ray Fisher is not helping his own case when it comes to all this Justice League stuff. 
turns out he has been very uncooperative with uh, the Justice League movie investigations and not talking to, like, the third-party investigators that are looking into everything that he wanted looked into. So it really makes you question the truthfulness of his words. So I read that, but then I also read or saw, like, he was talking about it because that was, like, something released by Warner Brothers Media and then he said he was he's all about talking to this guy, but he wants to have a person in on like because he ha- uh, the investigator had someone from Warner Brothers listening. And so Ray Fisher was like, I want someone on my side listening also so we can, you know, I can have a cooperative person here, too, so we can kind of everyone can get their stories all together that way. And so then they're going to reset okay. up a thing and that, you know, he canceled, like canceled the first call and then they haven't set up another one since then. Last I heard. Okay. And right on. I hadn't seen that part of the story. So yeah. that, that does make things a little more fair. Yeah. And, and then I watched, uh, it was like an, this one thing I follow on Instagram. They are in quotes, a DC insider and they posted Ray Fisher talking like walking down the street, talking on his Instagram live. And he was talking how he has receipts. Like he's, you know, when like, he doesn't tr- quite trust, I think it's just Warner brothers pictures, but Warner brothers media or vice versa. I, when you're talking like di- the different Warner brothers, I get confused easily because I'm not very smart. But when he was talking about that, he's like, Oh, I don't trust them. But if it's coming from this other, the, you know, the opposite one, I do trust them and the receipts are going to come out. And he was talking about how they tried to throw Joss Whedon and the other producer under the bus as long as he stopped talking out about Jeff Johns. Whether or not the stuff about Jeff Johns is true, being abusive and, you know, kind of telling him he was going to ruin his career if he ever, you know, like, if he ever kept talking up or whatever is true. I don't know. I don't, you know, like, I've never met Jeff Johns, so I can't even say, like, oh, I met Johns at a con one time. He was nice to me. I can't even say that. Right. I, you know, uh, he, I know he blocked me on Twitter, but that's all I really know about him. <laughs> Jeff Johns blocked you? Yeah, I, to- I told you about that because I went on because I was actually going to talk, try to like see if we could set up something so like I could talk to him about the new 52, you know, like on for, you know, this podcast and see what's going, you know, what actually went on there. I was like, oh, I could try to set up things with each of these like different writers. And then like, I, as soon as I got to Jeff Johns's Twitter, it was like, you're blocked by this person. I'm like, well, that was a quick stop. (laughs) (laughs) Cause, cause he knew what we were going to uncover. I mean, I think, I think it was because I was very critical of what he did with the question one time. I can almost guarantee that's what it was. Wait, like the worst part was the wor- like we've talked about this before on here. I know we have, but the worst part was I've been a lot meaner to other like back when I was like really just mean to people on Twitter for no reason. I was meaner to other people. I was just like, I'm not reading another Jeff Johns book ever again. He ruined this character, and I think I probably said he was a bad person. That's like the extent. <laughs> yeah, pretty mild. Yeah, especially especially for the stuff I was saying back then. <laughs> oh well, sorry, sorry, listeners, we're not going to get that Jeff Johns exclusive interview that everyone's asking us. I for. know. 
I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking if this Ray Fisher stuff is true, he loses his job and he's going to have to be slumming it on the comic, you know, the comic con stuff and make money that way. Maybe we could, you know, spend 20 bucks and get a 30 minute interview from him down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's say that we did get him on. Would you talk about the question? I mean, if it if I was like, oh, I just want to know what the heck happened with New 52, probably not. And like now with the, his question stuff, I don't think anything really became of it because I think the leadership with the New 52 stuff was so bad that nothing happened. You know what I mean? Like that was just yeah. another one of those infinite things that Jeff Johns thought was a good idea. And then no one else touched like the three jokers, like the three jokers happened. was revealed three years ago. And it's not even part of continuity anymore because everyone else is like, this is a stupid idea. And then now finally Jeff Johns is getting to it. So it's just like, I, yeah, I'm, I not convinced anyone else liked that idea. It's kind of funny because, you know, I've been going through like some overstock at my shop trying to, uh, you know, just do some restocks out in my bins. And I got to the T section and I found like a near complete run of that Trinity of Sin stuff with Pandora and the question yeah. and all that. And I laughed to myself thinking, oh man, Casey just had a heyday with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, cause it just, it ticked me off so much cause he ruined the question, but then he also ruined Phantom Stranger, another character that I've always liked because it was just like the whole point of Phantom Stranger is he's a stranger. You don't like, you don't have to tell his story. Like he, that's part of it. Like you're supposed to just kind of guess at it. Like there's always been hints, but they've never told you. And then Jeff Johns just thinking that, oh no, I need to tell his story. So he then was like, oh, he's Judas. Right. And it's, just like, it's like, that's not needed. It's better if we don't know who he is. It makes more sense if we don't know who he is. <sighs> but how many times, I mean, do we have to do that? It's the same with the Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Wolverine is another big one. It's like, guys, they're way cooler when we don't know the origin. And at least with Wolverine, though, he got a, his whole, like, I don't know how many issues series that was just his origins dedicated to that. When you just get a throwaway line of he's Judas now he's you know he's bad now he's being punished he's gonna be a stranger forever and it's just like (laughs) really (laughs) (laughs) yeah I agree all right well after that rabbit hole I think that pretty (laughs) much wraps up the news for the week um unless you had anything else no that's that's all I got All right, well, we're going to take a quick advertising break, and we'll be right back to talk about the comics we read. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to the ad. And we'll dive into the comic books that we read this week. Casey, which ones did you get through? So I read Free Comic Book Day, Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics by Tom Scioli. And then I read... Hotel by John Lees and Alibor Talahik. Uh, Sex Criminals by uh, Sex Criminals Sexual Gary by Matt Fraction and uh, what was her first name? Rachel Stott. 
Then Guardians of the Galaxy number six by Al Ewing and Marcio Takara. Justice League 52 by Loveness Roca. And then The Joker War by Tynan and Jimenez. What about you, buddy? I, I want to say real quick, I didn't know Marcio Takara was doing the art on Guardians. I love his art, as I you think, know. <laughs> I think it was just a fill-in issue. Ah, uh, that's too bad. He deserves to be on an ongoing. Cause, was I mean, the I, art good? I know you're going to talk about it, but was yeah, it Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. It's It was fine. Huh. Yeah. All right. Like, that <laughs> that kind of sums up this comic week, too, pretty well, too. It's at best fine. <laughs> what would you read All there, right. bud? Well, it wasn't a lot. I read... To the amazement of everyone listening, Young Justice, number 18, by Bendis, Walker, and a couple artists. And We Only Find Them When They're Dead, by Al Ewing and Simone DeMeo. And Batman, number 98, Joker War, part four, by Tynan and Jimenez. So, I have to ask really quick. What made you pick up that uh, Al Ewing book? Because I saw the title, I was like, this might be interesting. And then I saw Al Ewing's name, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to say no. (laughs) Um, Well, first and foremost, the art was really good. And I heard that it might become like a really hot book. So I thought I would snatch it up and, and give it a shot to see what all the hype was about. And, you know, Al Ewing is, like, one of the bigger writers right now, so I figured it was at least worth a shot. Right on, man. Well, you want me to go first? You want to. Yeah, you read a few more than me, so so do however sure. many you want. So, with Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics by Tom Scioli, it's just basically uh, Jack Kirby's Jack Kirby's life. And it's the different things he did. It... I could have swore Jack Kirby was in the military and this kind of doesn't show that. So either I've been wrong this whole time thinking he was in the military ever, or they just kind of skipped that, but it was pretty good. Like it's a fun, neat little story. Jack Kirby's life story is interesting. And yeah, it's, it gets like right before, he and Stanley team up kind of is where this ends the, on the free comic book day edition. But yeah, yeah I, I know you didn't ask for it, but I figured you, you might be interested anyway. And that's why I threw it in there. Yeah. No, like <laughs> I said, I, I like it. The art's pretty neat. And the story of itself, like it's Jack Kirby. If you're a comic book fan, I'd recommend it just because it's, you're learning about, you know, probably the most important person in comic books of all time or like right up there with uh schuster and siegel and stan lee like he's in that group for sure but yeah it's like i said it's good uh and then hotel by john lee's and al bortelagic this like i've i've been kind of digging this story as a whole this one like the, the final room, the fourth room in the hotel. It's a priest and a dad. They take their take this kid in. The kid's like 
I'm not possessed. Like, they think he's possessed by the devil. The kid keeps telling him, I'm not possessed. I'm just mentally unwill. Like, give me my medicine. And, you know, they're convinced it's not true. They're, they're starting to lose faith that, that, you know, that the kid's possessed. And then the kid reveals, oh, he is a demon. And then then it's like, oh, I am a demon. He breaks free from his chains and starts shooting fire and all this other stuff. Gonna kill everybody. And then, oh, the clown painting comes to life. And he's the demon that lives at the hotel. And he just saves the day. And I was like, that's kind of lazy writing. And but and then it also kind of showed some of the other characters that were at the hotel and, you know, all that other stuff. And I was like, kind of wish I could go, like, I kind of wish I could go back and reread it just so I could see all the connections. But at the same time, like, it's it wasn't good enough for me to make me want to do that, you know? Like, it's, it's well, a you, fine. You were a pretty big fan of the first few, weren't you? Like, yeah, it's always been, like, pretty good and interesting. And, like, with this one, especially with the ending, how it was just kind of lazy. It's just like, oh, yeah, the clown painting came to life. It saves the day. Like, it's it's like a, yeah, you know, I mean, it. I, I'm going to give this a, a 6 out of 10. It, you know, it's a passing grade, but barely. Okay. And then I'm going to talk about Sex Criminals, Sexual Gary, by Fraction and Stott. Um, like, the art in this is great. It's kind of, like, the story itself, though, it's funny, but man, it just goes on too long. Like, when your main character is this, it, it has, like, some really great funny, funny, funny moments. I'm not going to deny that at all. But, like, it just drags on and on like if you like really sexual humor give it a read it's like i said it's hilarious like he teams up with the surgeon general and tries to convince people that sex is fun and and all this other stuff and uh, it's there's uh like wiener fights and a bunch of other stuff but the art's amazing and there's a bunch of different puns for porn at the end that that this character was in like pound hog day and um trying to find some doctor whoa i did read some of those i thought they were pretty funny (laughs) yeah so yeah i mean it's like i said if you like sex jokes this is the one for you if you're just wanting like a regular good comic book story stay away from it the art's great and this would probably be a six and a half like it like i said it's funny but it just dragged I'll let you talk for a little bit now. Okay. First, I'll talk about Young Justice number 18. This was written by Brian Bendis and David Walker, and the art was done by Scott Godlewski and Michael Avon Oming. I picked this up not for Bendis, but because I saw Stephanie Brown on the cover, and you all know I'm a fan of hers. So uh, the cover is Spoiler and Drake on Spoiler's motorcycle, and it says Date Night Gets Dangerous for Spoiler and Drake, which reminded me how stupid of a name (laughs) Drake is because it's literally Tim Drake's last name. But anyway, but it's also an, a uh, real mean type of duck. 
So, like, it fits, man. Yeah, definitely just the coolest <laughs> code name for a hero. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, Tim uh, meets up with Spoiler, who's trying to take down her dad, the Clue Master. Because Clue Master is getting henchmen from, like, all these other villains because he, like, pays them better and is nice to them. And it shows, like, some of the henchmen, like, getting massages and, like, drinking at their bar and stuff, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, Okay, where's the line? He's Okay, this henchman's like, see, Clue Master is right. It ain't all about doing money deals at the clubs. We have to take care of our mental health, too. And I thought that was pretty funny because it's just a bunch of henchmen. So props to Bendis on that. Um, But anyway, then some guy called Latoom breaks in and uh, starts, like, killing people. And Stephanie's there and stops Latoom and, like, saves all of her dad's men. Uh, not because of that, but because she went there looking for Clue Master and and saw that these people needed saving. So, uh, anyway, fast forward, and I guess Clue Master faked his death back in Batman Eternal, according to one of the editor notes here. I didn't know that. He's just trying to build up this big empire in Central City. So... Tim calls up Young Justice to come help them because it's the Young Justice book and not the Spoiler and Drake book. So uh, it shows all the Young Justice members like answering Tim's phone call. And then um, Stephanie and Tim finally run into Clue Master and they start fighting him. The rest of Young Justice shows up and Teen Lantern traps Clue Master inside of like a construct little cage thing. And Tim was like, you were right, Stephanie. We didn't need Young Justice. You had everything under control and you took down your dad. And then it cuts to the next page and Tim is no longer Drake, but back in a Robin costume and Ginny Hex is like, is Drake back to being Robin? And Superboy says, I think Batman and Spoiler made him go back to Robin. Don't bring it up. And say thank you because we didn't have to have the Drake intervention we were planning. And then Cassie crashes down and says, Young Justice, I need your help. My grandfather Zeus has gone mad. And then that was the end of it. Well, this issue was just lame. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> like, it just didn't make any sense. The pacing, any of it. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the Clue Master stuff is fine. I just thought there was going to be some sort of story with it. Yeah. Like, they were they were building up Clue Master, and then he's just... He's captured, and... Tim's back to being Robin with no explanation at all. And they even say, don't bring it up. Uh, And they're like, oh, hey, look, Cassie's here. Oh, off to the next story arc. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 
it it was stupid. And, you know, I guess shame on me for coming in on issue 18. Maybe they did talk a little bit about stuff before this issue, but I picked it up for Stephanie. I, I guess I got some neat, uh, you know, fight scenes with her, but Tim going back to Robin for no reason, just like, I'm glad he's Robin, obviously, but, I mean, that's just some of the laziest darn writing I've seen in a very long time. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to give this a three. <laughs> I'm going I'm to say this, though, just in defense of Bendas on that. It's like I'm that might be an editorial thing where they're like, yeah, you can't really go into detail on this yet because I mean, we, they just had the Teen Titans Damien crap happen. So this is probably going to be touched on in like detective or something, you know, some, you know what I mean? Like somewhere else it's going to touch on it and actually explain the transition. Well, from then Drake there to- should be an editor's note that says, find out what actually happened in blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They just, like don't, I said, they just don't say anything. It's probably an edit, you know, editorial's fault that that's a, that that was a thing that happened in there, but I could be wrong. Maybe I'm giving Bendez too much credit. Yeah. Well, either way, it wasn't good. And next, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my next one is Guardians of the Galaxy number six by Al Ewing and Marcio Takara. Uh, so this one I'm not a fan of. It's very much like Heroes in Crisis by Al Ewing instead of Tom King. Because you have Richard Ryder in uh, therapy, and he's just talking. I know He's like, oh, everything's up to me, and you know he's all sad and all this other stuff. And then he explains what happened between this issue and and last issue because there's a lot of stuff that could have happened like that's one thing that really annoys me Al Ewing does this a lot like he's done this a lot in this book where it's just like oh there's gonna be a big battle next time and then it's just like we're gonna sum it up in the next issue but we're not gonna actually show much of the fighting and so that's what happens and then it goes like they're fighting and then he's like uh he's like apart from the the blonde with mother well, that guy's an idiot and he's like you had a front row seat to the fighting because Moondragon was back and he's like an, ap- an action epic with a little soap opera thrown in. And like, while that's going on, uh, Hercules po- pushes Novar out of the way and then they kiss in the middle of the battle because like in Canon, Hercules is by, and I, I think Novar, they, like some people were saying he might've been, but like Novar just grabs him and ki- you know kisses him in the middle of the battle. Like if that was happening in a justice league book and wonder woman grabbed Batman you know, push, you know, push him out of the way from an energy blast. And he just mm, kisses her. No one would be happy about that. <laughs> like I was reading on Twitter cause yeah. I did not like this book. I wanted to know if other people had like the same reaction. Everyone's like, Oh my gosh, I love it. And now we have Hercules and Novar together. Ooh. You know, it's like, first off, this was not hinted at at all. Like it just kind of got thrown in. And it's like, now that I look back, I'm like, oh, that's why Al Ewing put her, these, you know, Hercules in this book at all, because he hasn't done anything with Hercules. This is the most that's happened with Hercules since this series has taken on. And so it's like, oh, that's the only reason why he put him in this is just so you could have, you know, people talk about it on Twitter, I guess. And so like that. And then but like I said, it's like in the middle of a battle, so it doesn't make any sense. They, it's not like they won and then they, you know, had like a oh, victory type thing. It was just like. Mm, my tongue in your mouth right now, even though we're being shot at. Like, how does that make sense? But so, yeah, Nova's talking about that. 
And then he's like, every once in a while, he thinks back to his dad yelling at him, which like, I don't really remember Nova ever having daddy issues. So that was weird. And then he talks about how like, the, this is the one like good part of the series and, or not the series, the issue. He talks to Gamora and kind of finally clears the air there. And they kind of talk about their, their baggage that they have with each other. Cause they used to date and like that one was kind of neat, but all in all, like, and it's like how she was in love with Peter Quill. And then Richard's like, she's like, you know, I, I love, you know, she's like, I love, I loved him and you got him killed and now I can never forgive you. And he's like, I loved him too. You know that, right? And she's like, yes, I know that makes it worse. Goodbye, Richard. And it's like, I mean, okay. Like that. I don't know. I it's just, it's just not well, like in there, everyone's like, oh, he's dealing with the, the emotional, you know, stuff of being a hero and a, you know, war veteran, all this stuff, like the mental anguish and stuff. It's like, it's not good. Like it, like a lot of people like this. So I know I'm in the minority here, but at the same time, it's like, I, I just don't get how people can enjoy this. Cause it's like, he seemed, Richard seems so out of character that it just doesn't work for me at all. As like a big Richard Ryder fan, he just seems out of character. And then the fact that he, they're giving him daddy issues and all this other stuff, it's just, it's just bad. It's just poor writing. The other one, next one might be fun because it's, it's, it seems like it's leading up to something like a crossover with Empire, so it should be lots of action and stuff, but like the way Al Ewing writes, it'll just be like another very talkative one talking about all the action that happened in between issues. So, yeah, like this... <laughs> they'll be like, man, how crazy was that fight? Am I right? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And then it just pans over and like the whole fight's going on and Hercules and Nova are just making out the whole time. <laughs> it's like, What? Guys, fight. Stop. Just stop snogging on each other for five seconds. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, well, I'm sorry you didn't like it, man. I know it's got some of your favorite characters in it, and it just sounds like poor execution. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's kind of how it is. It Like, I don't get, like I said, I don't, like, it kind of makes, it finally makes sense why Hercules has been in this book, because he hasn't had much of any panel time. Like the last issue he was there for a little bit and he finally did something. I was so excited that he did something. And then like, now it's just like, Oh yeah, he's making, he's, he's in a relationship with Novar, which that, that's what annoyed me the most about that too. It's cause it's like, okay, Hercules ho- hooking up with Novar. That's in character. Hercules in a relationship with anybody that's not in character. So I don't like that at all. <laughs> right. Especially with zero buildup. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, but I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like Al Ewing just seems to have forgotten uh, that he was even in the team. Then he's like, Oh wait, I could throw this in. That'll get people to talk about it. So yeah, like, uh, it's not very good. And I mean, out of 10, uh, one and a half, I'll give it that. Cause the art's pretty good. And the, the, <laughs> the Gamora part was good. But it's just like when I when I read something, I want to at least have fun reading it. And I didn't even have that with that. So. Well, hey, speaking of Al Ewing, <laughs> we only find them when they're dead. Number one. This is a, a new Boom Studios title. Uh, Simone DeMeo on the art. 
And this book was pretty neat. The art is definitely the best part, but uh, but the premise is cool. It's basically uh, a sci-fi story where there's uh, these ships that have crews that like harvest organs and like body parts off of dead gods out in space. Um, and like the the scale of these gods is insane. They're just you know absolutely monstrously huge compared to the ships and it's like uh you know kind of government sanctioned where all these ships show up to a dead god and the government tells which crews get which body parts and stuff like that um that they harvest and then sell to whatever market for whatever reason like i'm sure they'll get into what that is it's just not in this first issue um but yeah, the uh, I'm, I'm seeing if Simone okay, Simone DeMeo did uh, did some coloring and then color assist by Maria Sara Miotti. Um, the coloring is insane in this book. It's like the 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 art, like the line work, is fantastic, but the coloring is just as good. But it was a pretty neat premise. There's like. Uh, you know, people trying to harvest that don't have permission from, you know, the government or whoever says that they're allowed to. So there's like, uh, space piracy and just these ships trying to scrape by because, uh, you know, they don't come across dead gods very often. But then at the end of the book, uh, the main character, whose name I'm totally blanking on, oh, Georges, that's his name, Georges. He says, I was five years old when I saw my first dead god. In three days' time, we'll see a live one. Um, after asking his crew if they were up for a little adventure. So um, I guess issue two will be we only find them when they're dead sometimes, and this time when one's alive. So looking forward to that. It was a pretty neat book. Uh, I'm interested in where it's going. I, I give it a six and a half out of ten. Nice, man. I'm, I'm glad you had more fun with that Alan Ewing than I did mine. <laughs> Me too, if I'm honest. <laughs> See, that that's one thing, though. It's like, with Alan Ewing, every time I read his stuff, like with whether it be Immortal Hulk or even Guardians, it starts off, I'm like, man, this is nice. I'm liking this a lot. And then, like, after a while, it just becomes like a gut punch, and it's just like, ha, you're just stuck reading this now. I can do whatever stupid crap I want. <laughs> and then it's just like, like with Immortal Hulk now, I'm just like, it's, this is still going on. Like, it's it's fine, but it's not that I'd write home about. And then this Guardians issue was really bad, so. <sighs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. About Immortal Hulk, I just kind of blame Marvel wanting that to continue since it sells so well. Yeah. Because I heard originally that he wanted to wrap that up a long time ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I can't blame him for, like, sticking around and, and, you know, getting the paycheck if that really is the case. But, you know, it, it's a shame that it has to go on a lot longer than, than what it's worth. I agree. But I'll stop complaining for maybe 10 minutes. Uh, Justice League. 
number 52, one by one they will fall in the garden of hell. And this is by, uh, by, gotta find the names. Oh, Jeff Loveness and Robson Roca. And this is like, the, the Black, it picks up right where the last one left off. The Black Mercies have taken over the Justice League. And Batman's trying to fight, like, it's all through Batman's eyes now, though. It's like him dealing with the Black Mercy. It's showing him all these different things. Like, it shows him what his future is. And then somehow, and this is like the one downside to this issue, is like, it doesn't really explain how. It's just Wonder Woman breaks free, saves the day. And then it's still like Batman is still dealing and it shows the life that he could have like the Black Mercy does and how he should quit being Batman. And then like Batman's now like very distant to the rest of the league more than normal. And then Clark kind of sits down, has a talk with him, and then he tells him what he saw when he was originally got the Black Mercy by Mongol back in... uh, what do you get the man that has everything by Alan Moore? He kind of tells him exactly what he saw and how he's like, that stuck with me for forever. And then he kind of, then like Bruce is like, well, what'd you see this time? He's like, I actually saw this exact moment. So he's like, I don't know what you saw, but you know, like I, you know, I'm just here to here to be your friend basically. And it was really neat. The only downside is like, I know this will have no effect on the major continuity. Like it's not going to, this isn't going to make Batman quit. It's not going to do anything like that. So it's just kind of like, this was a neat story that has no effect on anything, even though it makes you feel like it should. Well, it does sound cool, but I think you're right. 100%. Yeah, There's not going to be an arc where Batman's like, I'm done, and then they have to rope him back in or anything. Yeah, so, yeah, I would probably get that one. I mean, that'd probably be a five and a half, because like I said, it's a cool story. There's no real point to it. And then the fact that Wonder Woman just wakes up and saves the day, it was just kind of like, give us a reason why Wonder Woman woke up, because it doesn't make any sense that she did. Like, they could have easily been like, Oh, the fact that I'm part God and my, you know, my bracelet came off or, you know, whatever I was able to break free. Like, that's why I think it should have been Green Lantern waking up. Cause then you could just use his ring to save the, you know, since the rings have Did their own. Show, per, you know. Yeah. Did it show what any of the other leaguers saw? No, it was all Bruce's. That's and then too it, bad. Yeah. But like I said, neat story just could have used a little bit more to actually tell us what the heck happened, why, why Wonder Woman knew what was going on. All right. Well, I've only got Batman left. I don't know what you've got. That's all I got left to, man. Okay. So, Batman number 98. It's by Tynan and Jimenez with colors by Mori. It's Joker War Part 4. What were your initial thoughts on this? Uh, I like it. I mean, Punchline's still way too tough for what she is, but I thought the story was good for the most part. Some of it was kind of like dragging, but the Alfred stuff was wonderful. Like, it makes me, like, reading this makes me mad that Tom, like, even more mad that Tom King killed Alfred off 
because Tynan writes the Alfred Bruce relationship so well. Mm-hmm. What about you, man? Uh, I agree. It was, it was nice to see, I guess Bruce's subconscious that is, you know, using Alfred as like a vessel to, to say, Hey, I, I'm gone, but you can do this without me. And, and it's time to, to step up and save the city. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the art as always was just 10 out of 10. Yeah. There, you know, there, there's some scenes with like where the lighting is just so cool and so well done. And any time that like Harley and Punchline are on the same page, it it just looks like like a fight night poster, you know? Yeah. Um, and then um, I, I really, really liked at the end where basically Batman's like, you know, hey, hey, Bat computer, I'm I'm back. And I need you to call in the family. And yeah. the computer's like, designate which family members. And Batman says, I need everyone. So I hope like, that we, you know, we get some really cool fights coming up where we see all the members of the Bat family just like kicking the crap out of out of some bad guys and just some you know, maybe henchmen, but then also some of the other villains that are popping up in these issues. The back computer was like, but your parents are still dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no computer, like, like Dick and Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just, I had a theory to really, well, first off, when we were talking about the art, I just want to say the coolest part to me was the part whenever he's like, I'm, and then he's, you know, it's Batman, but it's like on, Mm -hmm. you know, in the cape. Like that was yeah. so awesome. And then also I just want to say, I have a theory I've been thinking about after you talked about what happened with Damien and teen Titans. And since he's kind of being like not doing Batman things, I'm going to say that's how they're going to bring back Alfred. He's going to use the Lazarus pit, Lazarus pit on Alfred, dig him up, toss him in. So if it happens, I called it on here. Yeah, that, uh, you know, sometimes the Lazarus Pit is a Deus Ex Machina, but I, I kind of hope that that's what happens because <laughs> Alfred needs to be there. I agree, dude. But yeah, so, some of the, some of these uh, panels, dude. Like the art is so good that it could be cover art, and it's I agree, just man. it's just Jimenez's standard interiors. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like that's one thing. It's like. Finch does a fine cover, but when the insides are better looking than the cover, that's wild to me. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Also, I do want to say, I guess the the one thing that I didn't care about is the very beginning and the very end where Catwoman is talking to some of the other villains like Penguin and Riddler. I don't really care what, what they're saying or like what's going on there. Cause I, yeah. I just don't think it matters that much. I, <laughs> I have a feeling that they're going to be doing their plan. Like their, their plans that were made by the villain, you know, like the under under broker or, not, or whoever I'm blank on his name now, 
the, the guy that they, you know, teamed up with that had their, their plans that this all started with. So I have a feeling it's going to be related back to that. And so each of them are going to do different things to help save the day. And sure that, yeah, I agree. It, that was kind of a low point. So what would you rate it, man? Um, I gave it an 8.5. Yeah. See, that's what I was thinking. I'm, but to be different, I'll say an eight. Right enough. Yeah, I mean, clearly the the best issue of the week for both of us. Oh yeah, hands All down right. for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's uh, everything for the, the comics that we read this week. Um, we could, let me. I'm bringing up the list here. We can talk about what we're excited for for next right. week, and I will let you go first. All right, so I'm pretty pumped for the next Batman and the Outsiders. I've <clears throat> been enjoying that, and with it coming to an end, sucks. Sucks big ones, but, you know, at least it's going to hopefully get an ending. And then Dark Knight's Death Metal Trinity Crisis, or DNDMTC, number one. Like, <laughs> it, you put Dark... Like, right now, if you put, you know, Death Metal on stuff, I'm going to be reading it or you know listening to it on spotify because i'm hoping it's a tie-in and then flash i'm really excited for flash those are my three that i'm most pumped for okay um i would say the metal tie-in too but just to, to be different i will say ultraman um I think the Web of Venom Wraith comic could be pretty neat because I haven't read anything with Wraith in it since Annihilation. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I got to be basic, right, and say Justice League Odyssey because we all know how much we love that book. So. Yeah. Dude, I didn't even know because I was looking for, like, if I didn't know Ultraman was coming out this week because it, it's Rise of Ultraman. So that is right. very much on my list of things I'm excited about. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's cool. And I think Kyle Higgins is writing it, so He is. So that should be pretty cool. Honestly, that's like a 50-50 shot with me cuz there's some stuff of his where I'm like, "Yes," and other stuff of his where I'm like, "Eh." <laughs> well, I hope this is a good one. Same here, man. All right. Well, what's next, buddy? Um, guess that first appearance if you got one. I, I didn't since we were going to do two battles. Okay. It's looking like a toss-up if we're going to do two battles because we're at 58 minutes right now. Okay, right on. Okay, so Fantastic Four this week. It's Labor Day while we record this. Tomorrow, when you're listening to it, it won't be. But right now, it's Labor Day. So give me your four favorite moments a character has ever given birth or like even just been pregnant. <laughs> This is the most ridiculous one you've ever given me. Oh, man. So I'm mostly just going with whatever comes to the top of my head. Um, I'll say Spider-Woman, because I know she had a series where uh, where it took place while she was pregnant. Um, Sue Richards. She gave gave birth to uh, Franklin and the other one. Help me out. Valeria. Valeria, yes. And 
I'll say Lois Lane because Jonathan is awesome and that led to Super Sons. And uh, I will say Cheshire as well. She and Roy Harper had Leon and that was a pretty neat storyline until it wasn't. And yeah, that's that's mine. Do you have I four? I don't have four, but I, did, I, I mean, because I have a lot of the same crossovers as yours. I will throw in Linda, who was uh, Wally West's wife, who had a miscarriage, but then time travel happened, and then she had kids. So that one was cool. And then my favorite labor moment, though, in comic books, because this is the only one I can think of, was in the new warriors i think his name was marvel boy he's like got a blue cape and had like a weird blue power um he like the the new warriors and fantastic four teaming up versus uh terax and like most of the new warriors outside of nova couldn't do a thing to terax so they were just on crowd control and he's like going throughout the crowds and he sees this like woman that was in a um ambulance and so he has to help her give birth and so that's my favorite Labor Day moment in comic history. <laughs> okay, so I just thought of one. At least I think so. In one of the Justice League Unlimited episodes, didn't Booster Gold have to help? So, yeah, uh, a lady give birth. Both helped. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so there we go. That, no, no, that was Green Lantern. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're right. It was Green Lantern. <laughs> How could I have forgotten? <laughs> All right, so on to our battles segment. And we, we've put this first one off for, for a little while um, because we didn't want you guys to suffer through much more than an hour of us talking. But uh, <laughs> I think here, you're going to have to. Yeah. So the, the first one is... My choice of Saturn Girl versus Casey's choice of Blink. And I'll just go ahead and start talking for a little bit. So I don't I'm I might butcher this completely. Saturn Girl's real name is, I think, Imra Ardeen. She was born on Titan, the largest moon of the planet Saturn, in the 30th century. All of the native inhabitants of Titan have the power of telepathy. But from an early age, Imra's telepathic ability was revealed to be among the strongest of her race. Due to her great talent in her years, Imra traveled to Earth and began training to be a science police officer. But fate intervened when she joined two other super-powered teens, Lightning Lad and Cosmic Boy, in stopping an assassination attempt on billionaire R.J. Brand. Inspired by their heroism, as well as the legacy of the 20th century superhero Superboy, Brand bankrolled the three teens, and they became the founding members of a team known as the Legion of Superheroes. Taking the codename of Saturn Girl, Emra has gone on to become one of the greatest and most dedicated Legionnaires in the team's history. So, Saturn Girl has... um, Being a member of the Legion of Superheroes, she possesses a Legionnaire flight ring. Uh, That ring gives its wearer the ability to fly, and the the speed and range of which is determined by the wearer's willpower, and it also acts as a long-range communicator between all the other Legionnaires, even across the vast distances of space. 
as well as a signal device, a navigational compass, all powered by a microcomputer built inside the ring. Um, she doesn't have like a lot of strength feats because that's not really her power, but as far as durability, uh, she was one of the only legionnaires fully able to resist the Emerald Eye of Ekron, which is the sole power source of the very powerful Emerald Empress. Um, she was obviously able to do that with her mind. And then intellect. Imra is considered to be one of the most intelligent legionnaires, as well as one of the most highly educated. She has a keen understanding of science and technology and possesses great intuition on a social and personal level. Due to her superior intellect as well as her mental powers, she was one of the four legionnaires deemed by Universo to be the greatest threat to his plans for the domination of Earth and was also the first to break free from his mind control. And I will take a break and let you talk. All right, so Blink, also known as Clarice Ferguson was born with purple skin and birthmarks on her face, so her family... I mean, I bet her dad first off was like, did you fool around on me? But, um... <laughs> so her family, though, was like, we need to take you know take her to the United States, get her help, because there's lots of mutants there. Where is she and from? That was... She is from... Oh, I'm blank on... Because I didn't write it down, but it's, uh... Islands. Uh, <laughs> okay. I apologize... I apologize because I didn't write that down. But uh, that was right before Apocalypse took over and established his rule. Then Mr. Sinister kidnapped her and took her to a camp where she was eventually rescued by Victor Creed and then joined Magneto's X-Men. So she's got the power of teleportation. She's not just, you know, purple. She can teleport herself, others, projectiles, things into other things. So there's a there was a time when she was... Uh, King Hyperion, who's like the most powerful version of Hyperion. I'll get into him a little bit more later, but he was like able to be, he was distracted. So she teleported a big mound of sand inside of him. And so she can, you know, tell, like I said, teleport things inside of things. So that kind of lets you know, like some of the stuff she can do. And even, she can even teleport parts of people. So once she was fighting uh, this character named Harvester and she just, teleported him into pieces and then also she was fighting archangel one time and teleported his wings off of him uh she can someone shot a cyclone at her and she teleported the cyclone away from her and back at back at that person and then i'll talk about some durability she survived attacks from king hyperion and archangel uh, was smashed so hard against the stone ceiling it cracked it, but it took it like you know. But she took it like a champ, like she was able to shrug it off, uh, unharmed after being thrown by an earthquake. S- some speed feats. She can unleash her attacks in the, literally a blink of an eye. She can dodge attacks from Cyclops, dodge missiles, gunfire, and even shown to dodge Hyper- King Hyperion's heat vision. Warpath stated she's too fast form. She can teleport objects before they hit. Plenty of things, big falling objects, missiles, arrows, bullets. But the most impressive is Hyperion's heat beams, which, as I've talked about heat beams before being, you know, the speed of light, she was able to actually teleport it as it was coming at her, and she was in a bear hug. 
And so she teleported it right right as it was coming at her and then teleported it right behind him. So that actually is what was able to, you know, hurt Hyperion enough for alternate reality Gambit to kill him. And I'll let you let you that was that was actually all of my blink stuff because there's not a lot of stuff online about her. <laughs> wow, funny you should mention that. I was about to say the same thing about Saturn Girl. Last thing I have is about her telepathy, which is her strong suit. Saturn Girl is one of the most powerful telepaths in the DC universe. Her telepathy is considered 10th level by her people, the highest ranking. With her telepathic powers, Saturn Girl can read, receive, and broadcast thoughts at will. She can even manipulate the information another brain receives to make them believe intensely realistic illusions. Emra's mind can project powerful telepathic force bolts, which can mentally stun, injure, or even kill beings as formidable as Daxamites. She can also create astral projections of herself and others. She has the ability to use her mind as a psi link, allowing her to connect with others and allow them to communicate with one another. She has been able to mentally search areas as large as a continent to locate specific mines. Her mental powers evolved, allowing her to possess the ability of telekinesis. So she has shown the ability to move large objects with her mind as well. She's fought and defeated the forces of Darkseid, Daxamites, and with the help of the other Legionnaires, stop Superboy Prime. And that's all I've got. Okay, so with her mind powers, like, can't she just Professor X somebody and, like, lobotomize them? Yes. You know, like, just, like, bloop, you're stupid. Then she wins. Because, <laughs> like, well, no, I mean, like, I love Blink, and she doesn't have, like, the resistance to my, you know, to that type of thing. So it's just like, well, that's it. Like, she's gone up against those people. She's lost. And, you know, other times, like, she's won, but it's just because they've toyed with her. This is a fight to the death. They know it's, you know, they both know it's coming. There's no defense for that. Right. And, like, you know, I I picked Saturn Girl because I like the Legion, and I wanted, like, a cool... Uh, you know, a cool hero lady for my team that was futuristic. So she was just my go-to. I didn't realize that she was, you know, as crazy powerful as she was. She's been in so many things, but the problem is they usually put her in a leadership position because she's so powerful Yeah. that, you know, you, you can only do so much with her. So I, I just think with like as, as powerful as her mind is, I I just don't see Blink winning as well. Yeah, so. I should have I I should have had it should have been her versus Cable. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, absolutely. But all right, well, first one goes to Saturn Girl. Do we do we want to call it or keep going? I mean, that's a that'll, that'll be up to you. We're at an hour and eleven minutes right now, so. It's, uh, well, why don't, can... why don't we save it? Cause All right, dude. I, I don't know that there, that there's going to be like a ton to read next week either. Like more than this yeah. week probably, but, but I, I think we'll be okay to save it. And odds are, cause this week we're, we were like, oh yeah, there's not much news, not much in the way of comics, but we rant 
Yeah. Like our news, <laughs> which wasn't supposed to take that long, was over 20 minutes. And then we talked comics for about, you know, 40. So, yeah, I think we'll think we'll be OK. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But next next uh, battle segment will be a fun one, which is Hawkman versus Terry McGinnis, Batman Beyond. And I'm really looking forward to that one. So me too. I, I mean, after doing some Terry McGinnis, uh, some Terry McGinnis, you know, research, it's going to be closer than I originally thought. Cause at first I was just like, they both fly. That's why I'm doing this. It, Hawkman's going to probably win. But now I'm like, we'll see. We will see. Uh, for the sake of Terry, I'm leaving out the claws of Horus because then it would just not even be fair. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, okay. I have to ask really quick about that. Uh-huh. I mean, you'll t- you'll you can you can tell me next week. But doesn't that just work? Like, isn't it just by like the magnetic pull of the Earth? So it's like how high up he is when he connects, or no? Because I've only ever seen it used once. It's been used a couple times. I really don't know the full extent of it. I just know that it's overpowered to the point of I feel like I should leave it out. I got you, dude. Yeah, because I, I saw him use it against Superman one time, and it was like, I basically hit you with the planet because he was carrying him up in outer space. Yeah. And he popped him with that, and that took him out. Right. But that was also Jeff Loeb's writing, so it's kind of like, you know. Yeah, not the best. Was it good? <laughs> was it actually accurate? Um, Either way, it'll be a cool fight between two characters yeah. I enjoy greatly. But, um, all right, closing plugs. If you would please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash two worlds podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at two underscore worlds underscore PC and on Instagram at two worlds pod. Um, and then you can also email us at two worlds podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, please like us and review us, uh, five stars wherever you're listening to this. And I will say about the Twitter, I posted a picture of the, you know, co-host dog that's in the room with me now. If that doesn't sweeten the pot, I don't know what will. (laughs) But we would love to stay in chat, but we still need to work on that song that's supposed to unite all the people. So party on, dudes. Bye. Bye.